We know the story there in Matthew, how the angel came and explained the situation to Joseph. So, as Gabriel left, thinking to the first verse I read there in, in Luke 2, verse 19, I have to wonder what were Mary's ponderings. As the angel left, um, I don't think Mary just went back to her work that she was doing, whatever she was doing at the moment. Um, I just imagine questions like the angel leaves and Mary says, what? Me? He said, the son of the highest? The son of God? I think we all would have been left pondering. We all would have been wondering, what, what is the meaning of all this? The next verses go directly into Mary's trip, her visit to her cousin Elizabeth. And I, we don't know what all happened in that time between the angel's visit and Mary's visit to, to Elizabeth. But I, I could imagine that there was a lot of misunderstanding when Mary talked to friends, different people, about the visit of the angel. And I would imagine that what took place in Matthew chapter 1, I think it is, where um, Joseph was considering this and was um, considering quietly putting her away, I would imagine that that took place before Mary went to her cousin Elizabeth. I don't know what their relationship was, how close they were um, as cousins, but probably Mary had a feeling that here was someone who, who she could confide in. It says in verse 39, we'll read through 45, And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste, into a city of Judah, and entered into the house of Zacharias, and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me, that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. So, it stands out to me there. It says it two times. Uh, it happened, and then Elizabeth related it. That when she heard the salutation of Mary, that the babe leaped in her womb. Now, we know that Mary, uh, Elizabeth was the mother of 
John the Baptist, who was the, we call him the forerunner of Christ. He came to prepare and to, to um, yes, prepare the way for Christ to come and begin his ministry. And as I, as I read these verses here about the babe leaping in her womb, um, something more than just the natural um, uh, movement, I believe that there was a connection of spirit somehow, even in the unborn. And I, I do not fully understand this. But, but somehow that there was a connection. There was something there, um, even at this early point. And it was from God. I don't even know if Mary had told Elizabeth yet about her call from God to be the mother of his son when this happened. But as we read here, we see a very understanding person in Elizabeth. She understood and she believed Mary. And I think that's what Mary needed at this time. She needed someone who could take what she said and believe it. Now, as I... Sometimes we imagine a little bit um, when we read about the personality of a person, uh, the nature of a person. And I, I generally think of Mary as being um, a, a quieter person, I guess I would say. Um, and, and I'm not sure why. I'm not sure why I imagine that. But the next verses we want to read show a, a woman who was, was bubbling and pouring out. And as we read these verses, uh, we call it the Magnificat. And I think of Mary as she's understood. And in being understood, she is able to pour out the feelings of her heart and, and what really is, is going on in there. Um, she's, she's able to let go of some of those hard things that she's faced and the misunderstandings of people. It says here, and Mary said, verse 46, and Mary said, my soul doth magnify the Lord and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. For he hath regarded the low estate of his handmaiden. For behold, from henceforth, all generations shall call me blessed. For he that is mighty hath done to me great things, and holy is his name. And his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation. He hath showed strength with his arm. He hath scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. He hath put down the mighty from their seats and exalted them of low degree. He hath filled the hungry with good things, and the rich he hath sent empty away. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy, as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham, and to his seed forever. And Mary abode with her about three months, and returned to her own house. 
this, these verses here would be considered New Testament poetry, um, possibly a song coming from Mary. And she opens with the words, My soul doth magnify the Lord. Now that word magnify is the sense of magnification, not of something small made larger, but something of a distant object, which is large, being brought in for observation. And just to say it simply like a telescope looking at a star. A star is huge. And a telescope brings... A star is huge, but we see it as something small in the sky. A telescope brings it into focus so we can see it a little better. Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord. Now as we consider God, God is great. God is very great. And yet, in our natural state, our human state, we, we only have a small view of God. We, we can't see God's greatness. But to magnify God is to bring him closer so we can, we can see him better. To bring him closer so we can see him better and also so others can get a glimpse of him. So, as we exemplify God by our lives and by our words, we magnify him. Um, living our lives for him, speaking of his glory. That's how we can magnify God. But there was a, a, an even another way that Mary magnified God. She was a vessel that God used to bring himself closer so that we could get a better view of him as she was the mother of Jesus, bringing, bringing Jesus, God's son, into this world. <clears throat> she was the mother of Jesus by God's choosing. But she was chosen to be a vessel because she was one who desired to please God. She was a common woman. Maybe something to consider here. Could one from our midst have been chosen to be the mother of our Lord? As I ask that, you know, Mary, like I said, I, I think she was a common woman. She wasn't a perfect woman. She wasn't super uh, way above the heads of everyone else. She was just one of those people desiring to please God. And so I would say yes. I believe God could have, if we were in that time, God could have chosen one here to be the mother of our Lord because there is that desire to please and to live for God. Our calling today is still to magnify God 
in our hearts and to those around us. Mary's next phrase, And my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. I pull out that word rejoiced. That would mean or give the connotation of to jump for joy. Now, I said about my, my kind of ideas of Mary being a quiet person. But she is rejoicing. She is ready to jump for joy because of what God has done. What he is doing, was doing with her and through her. I get the feeling that she is, actually it says it here, my spirit hath rejoiced. My spirit, from the core of her being, she was rejoicing and, and just couldn't hold still. She is bursting forth in song. This morning, as we were singing that first song, O Holy Night, there was a phrase that kind of resonated with, with this thought here. The phrase, let all within us praise his holy name. You know, that wasn't just Mary. Today, we have the ability that all, all within us to lift up the name of God. And I don't know. I, I hope that you have that feeling sometimes. I can connect with this. But sometimes you, you just, for me, it's, it's when singing sometimes. You just want to let it go. And um, that is rejoicing in our spirit from the core of our being. That was Mary's testimony and her experience at this moment. In verse 48, she said, From henceforth all generations shall call me blessed. And I pulled out that word in verse 28, and I missed it in verse 45. In verse 45, Elizabeth attributed that word, blessed, to Mary. Blessed is she that believed. Now, if you study into it, it's actually three different words in the original. Uh, Verse 48 here, all generations shall call me blessed. And that would mean to to pronounce fortunate. Verse 45, Elizabeth, uh, where she attributed the word blessed to Mary, um, that would have the meaning of supremely blessed or fortunate, well off. So a little bit of the same connotation there. When Gabriel said the word, blessed, blessed art thou among women, that would have the meaning to endue with honor. Mary was called in honor. And so I'm not sure exactly how how closely they were understood to be the same thing in the original. But as we consider Mary 
being blessed because of how she was called, what she was called to, to be the mother of Jesus. We know that some in our time, some throughout history, and even now to time, have taken this out of context where Mary is actually idolized and, and worshipped, which was not the intention of anyone here, the angel, or of Mary herself. She was not lifting herself up to such a state. Simply, Mary was given an assignment, an assignment of honor, a blessing that will never be forgotten. And I think as we, as we think of that, we can honor her in such a way as the mother of Jesus. Continuing on here in the thoughts of the, the poem of Mary here, and just uh, drawing away for a minute and then coming back, but as we sing the song Silent Night, there is a phrase in that song that has been sticking out to me. And that phrase is the dawn of redeeming grace. I don't have the words, uh, all the words right around it, but the dawn of redeeming grace kind of intrigued me, that wording there. As we think of the dawn of redeeming grace, um, when I think of dawn, um, the, I don't know, I think it might have been when my brother and I uh, would go squirrel hunting, he'd say you want to be out there at the crack of dawn. You want to be out there just as the day breaks forth, when it starts getting light. So the beginning of the new day, as we think of redeeming grace, it's God's grace coming down and cleansing sinful man and restoring him to the relationship that was broken in the garden. And this is what was happening as Christ was coming. It was the dawn of a new day. Mary here made some, some statements. And I would probably understand some of this to be Mary kind of expressing herself in what God has done for her. And I think we can spiritualize some of these things here um, as well. She says in verse 48, He hath regarded the lowest state of his handmaiden. Okay, now a handmaiden would be a female slave. And then she goes from, from that lowest state of a handmaiden, and now all generations are going to call me blessed. She's seeing how God has, has lifted her up, that um, she, she's not viewing herself as just a handmaiden, but someone that God is able to use, someone that is fortunate, someone that is happy. 
And even today, man is able to go from a slave, a slave to darkness, a slave to sin, to a saint. God is still raising people up through Jesus Christ. Verse 49. He that is mighty hath done great things. Holy is his name. Um, She was recognizing God had done great things for her. And even so, as we are recipients of God's grace, we receive those great things that he does with our lives, the work that he does. And verse 50, his mercy is on them that fear him from generation to generation, experiencing the mercy through Jesus Christ. Verse 51 Uh, speaks of God's strength, has showed strength with his arm and scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. And even so, God is still exalted. God will be exalted throughout all of time and eternity. Verse 52, he has exalted them of low degree. Okay, that's some of what Mary was feeling, experiencing in her life, that God was doing a work in and through her and with her. Verse 53, he has filled the hungry. And my mind goes to Matthew chapter 5. Blessed are they that hunger, for they shall be filled. So is the work of Christ in his children. And then in verses 54 and 55, she brings out the the fulfillment of prophecy, his covenant with Abraham and his seed. He hath holpen his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy as he spake to our fathers, to Abraham and to his seed forever. He was bringing that promised redeemer into the world. We could go into the prophecy of Zacharias uh, in in the later chapter here, verses 67, continuing on there for a bit. I don't think we will this morning. But when, when John the Baptist was born and, and uh, Zacharias' mouth was loosed, he was able to speak again, and he, he went into it. Another poem here, New Testament poem, um, looking at the salvation of, of Israel, the salvation of the world there through Jesus Christ. Now I want to go into Luke chapter 2. So John the Baptist was born, um, and then six months later, we come to Luke 2 here, where the whole world, it says, was to be taxed. And this would have been not necessarily all peoples of the earth, but those under the Roman Empire, called together for for census purposes. And in the first few verses here, we have all going to their hometown, uh, where they would have been born, where they would have been raised. And so in that, we find Joseph and Mary. 
Verse 4, we'll start reading. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, out of the city of Nazareth, unto Judea, unto the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be taxed with Mary, his espoused wife, being great with child. And so it was that while they were there, the days were accomplished that she should be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes, and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. Just want to point out here, it still uses in verse 5 the term his espoused wife. Now, if we look again in Matthew there, um, Joseph was told by the angel to, to take Mary as his wife. That was um, at night there. And, and that's what Joseph did then. So at this point, um, Joseph and Mary were husband and wife. And I think we can know as well from the, the stellar character of Joseph and Mary that, that they would have been married making this trip together. But that night in the lowly stable, the Savior was born. And again, I ask, what went through Mary's mind as she swaddled that dear little baby? I'm seeing Brother Ryan back here holding his precious little one. I think I saw Daphne in the back, too. I don't see her now with her little baby. And, you know, as a, as a new little baby is born, there's a lot that goes through the minds of parents as they hold that little child. But what about Joseph and Mary as they held that little baby Jesus? Was there more that went through their minds than through the minds of, of typical parents? I'm sure they had the normal feelings. Mary had the normal feelings of motherhood, that bond with her son, that love, and just, just the precious moments there. But was she also filled with some questions? Did her mind go back to that visit that Gabriel paid to her? Was her faith strengthened? I would think it was. You know, often we jump to the next part of the passage here. And just everything just kind of goes. The baby's born and the angels come to the shepherds. And But I think Mary was sitting here pondering... And somewhere out there on the hills, there were the angels and the shepherds. And Mary was still here. It was quiet in the stable there. And she was enjoying her little baby and, and yeah, pondering in her heart. 
So while Mary's pondering in the stable, we're going to go to the next verses. The visit of the shepherds. And there were in the same country shepherds abiding in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord... (coughs) Excuse me. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the angel said unto them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. And this shall be a sign unto you. Ye shall find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. The angels were proclaiming the dawn of redeeming grace out there on that dark night. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. And it came to pass, as the angels were gone away from them into heaven, the shepherds said one to another, Let us now go even unto Bethlehem, and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord hath made known unto us. And they came with haste, and found Mary, and Joseph, and the babe lying in a manger. And when they had seen it, they made known abroad the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all they that heard it wondered at those things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all these things and pondered them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things that they had heard and seen, as it was told unto them. So the shepherds came and paid their visit to Mary and to Joseph and to Jesus. I had to wonder what kind of a stir did the shepherds make as they left that stable that night. Um, They went out. They made known abroad what had happened. Um, I just imagine that they were going out and telling people. I don't know if this was still nighttime or um, if it was um, going towards morning of the next day when they went out. But they couldn't keep quiet about what they saw. And so with that thought, did Joseph and Mary and Jesus have more visitors the next day? Uh, People heard about this wonderful thing that happened in the stable that night. I don't know. The Bible doesn't say about that. We do know about the visit of the wise men, um, which may have been some time later. But if they had more visitors, I'm still thinking, what, what's Mary pondering in her heart? Um, somehow she's, she's recognizing, and, and I'm not sure she's fully grasped it at this point, um, what has happened, and who her son is, and what he's going to do, what's, what's going to come to pass. But this morning for you and I, will we stop and ponder the meaning of what took place on that first Christmas Eve? The dawn of redemption for the human race, and redemption for me. Do we view Christ's birth as the focal point, or does it go further? 
as we think of his work on earth and his death, his resurrection, as we think of his present work, does our view of Christ go beyond to what's coming yet, of his second coming to this earth? His work is not done yet. It's continuing. And he is coming again. As we look back, and as we read through the Gospels, so many people were not prepared for the birth of Christ. But as we look forward, will you and I be prepared when he comes again? Are we stopping? Are we pondering the second coming of Christ to this earth to take the redeemed home to be with him? This morning, as we think of the season that we are in, as we think of Christmas, let's take that time and let's ponder. Let's reflect on Christ coming to this earth in gratitude. But let's not stop there. Let's reflect on what he is doing right now and what he is planning to do at some time in the future. And, you know, that is going to be a... The, the announcement of Christ's birth was very worthy of the angels, but his second coming would be worthy of an announcement of angels as well, I believe. And I, I don't know how all it's going to take place. We don't have to know how all it's going to take place. But what we need to do is to be ready for that. And I trust that that is our hearts desire, each one of us. I'm going to invite you to stand for a closing prayer and dismissal.